Well, when I was a little girl growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I used to hang out with all my little neighborhood friends, and I can remember many times we'd get in the backyard and we'd play these fun little games, and um, I don't know if you all did things, we'd play Mother May I and Green Light, Red Light and all that, but sometimes our little games would get a little funny, and we would start, you know, chit-chatting, especially girls, and I can remember that I had a couple of girlfriends, and um, we would hang out together, and I can remember trying to convince them that I was telling the truth, and I remember saying this little phrase, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Did any of you ever say that? <laughs> some of you, some of you did. Or um, I swear on a stack of Bibles, you know, I'm telling the truth. But uh, I remember a few, few of those. Those are the ones I could think of. And hopefully, uh, we as Christian mothers, I did not train my children to say such foolish things, but uh, hopefully we're correcting our children when they do say those things because they're really not very appropriate as Christians. And as grown-ups, we don't any longer use those types of phrases, or at least I don't. It's been, you know, I haven't said those things since I was a little girl. But I do hear things like this, not from Christians, but I have heard phrases like this. I swear to God. Or, may God strike me dead if I'm lying. Now, as Christians, we would all agree, right? Shake your head, yes. These phrases should not be in our vocabulary. But, are we any better off than those who make those types of statements if we make promises to others that we have no intention of keeping? Now, rarely a day goes by, in fact, think through this week, rarely a week goes by that we do not make a promise to someone. Those of you that are mothers, I'm sure you have made some type of promise to your children or maybe a promise to your husband or a friend. For example, maybe this week or in the past month, you've had a very close friend tell you something that's very private and you have said to her, I promise I won't tell anyone what you just told me and then a couple days later or maybe that evening you tell your husband or you tell another friend even though you made her a promise that you wouldn't or maybe you have made a promise to your children and you've told them you know today after school or today when you get done with your schooling you know we're going to have a special treat or you get to watch a special movie but you don't fulfill your promise Or maybe you tell your husband before he goes off to work that you'll iron his shirts while he's away, but you find something better to do with your time. Or maybe I've had this happen to me a lot. I haven't done this, but I've had people do it to me. They'll tell me they'll meet me for lunch at 12 o'clock, and they show up at maybe 12.15, 12.30, and I've even had them not show up at all. And we justify these broken promises by saying to err, oh, it's just human, Susan. But God says to lie is a sin. Now, last week, we started looking at some admonitions from James in how to be patient. And remember, he gave us three examples to look at. Can anyone tell me what they are? Let's see if you all are awake tonight. What are the three examples? Okay, the persistent farmer, what's the second one? Do what? Okay, the patriarch Job, and then there's another one. Okay, to look at the example of the prophets. Now, 
As we unpack, and tonight we're just going to look at verse 12. As we look at verse 12, you might be saying, what in the world does letting our yes be yes and our no be no have to do with being patient during persecution? I don't see the connection. Well, think with me for a minute. If you have ever been persecuted, or if you have ever feared for your life, like these believers, you remember some of them were being killed, they were watching their loved ones being killed. If you've ever feared for your life, if you've ever been persecuted, then you know exactly why James has this verse in here. For example, in the midst of a difficult situation, you know, Debbie and I coming home from Atlanta uh, Saturday, it was a very turbulent airplane ride. And sometimes during those turbulent airplane rides, you know, you're tempted to say, God, if you'll just get me on the ground, I promise, you know, I'll do this or I'll go to that person and ask for forgiveness. You know, I can remember being a little girl growing up in Oklahoma and hiding in the closet during tornadic weather and just being scared to death. And, you know, in those times, we make promises to God. We make rash vows. God, you get me out of this. I promise I'll do what's right. I'll serve you. I'll clean up my life. (laughs) Ladies, in times of trial, like these believers were in, we must be careful not to make rash vows. And so the practice of oath-taking or making rash vows is a very logical subject right now for James to address at this point in his letter. And we're just going to cover one verse tonight, so let's read it. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment or condemnation, your translation might say. Now, we're just going to look at two themes tonight. First of all, we're going to see the sin of making rash vows. You're going to say, how are you going to expound that long on one verse? Well, just wait. The sin of making rash vows, the first part of verse 12, and then the sentence, the sentence or the judgment of making rash vows. So we have the sin of making rash vows and then the sentence or the judgment of making rash vows in the second part of verse 12. Now, notice how he starts this verse. But above all things, my brethren, you know what he's saying? Be very careful on this point. Above all, you better think about what you're saying. This is a sin that should not be taken lightly. This is a sin that you should avoid at all costs, James is saying. Above all things, my brethren, during this time of stress, during this time of affliction, during this time that you work all day and you don't get paid, They don't give you the money during this time that some of you are watching your children, your husbands, your wives being killed during this time. Above all things, do not make rash vows. And isn't it wonderful that James just gave them and us a wonderful example of somebody who could have made a rash vow and didn't Job. He had just talked about Job. What did Job do, if you've read the book of Job, what did Job do in all his adversity when he would have been tempted to make a rash vow? Can anybody tell me what he did? In all this, Job did not what? Sin with his mouth. Not one time. He didn't make a rash vow. God, if you'll just quit taking my children. God, if you'll get these boils off me. God, if you'll do this. What an example for us to follow. So James says, above all things, my brethren, do not swear. Now you might say, well, what is he talking about? Well, the phrase here is used to affirm or deny something by an oath. To affirm 
or deny something by an oath. James is not talking about profanity, even though that is a big no-no, and I hope that you girls do not swear, but as we would talk about swearing, but that's not the Greek word here. It's to affirm or deny something by an oath. Now, before we go on, I want to make it very clear, and I think Doug said something about this Sunday, make it very clear that making oaths Making a vow was not forbidden in the Bible. In fact, did you know making vows are encouraged in the scripture? Don't turn there, but just listen. Deuteronomy 10.20, God says this, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and you shall hold him fast and take oaths or vows in his name. In fact, God told the prophet Jeremiah to swear by his name. Listen to this. And it shall be if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, then they will be established in the midst of my people, Jeremiah 12, 16. So we know from the word of God, the act of making a vow or making an oath was acceptable. This is what's not acceptable. The act of breaking a vow is not acceptable. The act of making a rash vow, also, as you saw in the example of Jephthah that we'll talk about tonight during the homework. So James says, do not swear. In fact, it's in the present tense, indicating that this person that is making rash vows, rash promises, was in the habit of doing it. It was a habit of their life. They were constantly doing it. You know, we all slip up once in a while. As James says, in many things we all stumble, But ladies, to be a person that habitually makes vows or promises you never intend to keep. That's the Greek tense here. James is forbidding that. And then he completes this sentence by saying, don't swear either by heaven or earth or or any other oath. Now you might say, what is he talking about? Well, in the New Testament time, some rabbis had begun to teach their students that an oath was not binding if you would omit God's name or you didn't imply his name. Therefore, you know, I could say, I swear by my life, or I swear by my good health, or I swear by this microphone right here. So if I would avoid using God's name, then I'm not bound to the promise or the vow that I make. In fact, today we call that a loophole, right? In fact, the Mishnah devotes a whole section to an elaborate discussion of when oaths are binding and when they're not, and the results, they say, were disgraceful. In fact, there was frivolous swearing. Vows were mingled with words like, by your life or by my beard. In fact, they said swearing in the biblical times had become a fine art. Lying was at its peak, especially lying to convince others that you were telling the truth by swearing by some object. I swear by that yellow cord over there, I'm telling the truth. In fact, to tell you how ridiculous it become, one rabbi taught this. If you swore by Jerusalem, you weren't bound. But if you swore toward Jerusalem, then you were bound because somehow that implied God's name. So by Jerusalem, not binding. Toward Jerusalem, binding. Now, ladies, this is not the first time that this is mentioned in the New Testament. For those of you that go here, you know we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we know Sermon on the Mount is very similar to James. Turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus taught the same thing as his half-brother taught. In fact, I wonder if James heard this when he and Jesus were hanging out, and so he's repeating what he heard from his brother. 
Matthew 5, look at verse 33. Here's Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Do not swear by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You understand what Jesus is saying here? Just because God in himself was not involved in their oath making did not mean that they were not bound to what they had promised. You know why? He says that they are all binding because everything is God's. His throne, it's his. His footstool, it's his. His city, it's his. And so to swear by these things, therefore, was to treat with irreverence objects those things that were created by God now ladies when you think about this their thinking was crazy wasn't it I mean it doesn't even make sense everything that you see right now everything that is outside is God's anyway so if you're going to swear by it you're swearing by God anyway so it was silly how ridiculous that had this had become and so James says let our yes be yes and your no no the same thing Jesus says let your yes be yes and your no no and Jesus says, if it's not, you come, you fall into evil. And James says, you fall into condemnation. In fact, while you're in Matthew, turn over to Matthew tw- chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Here's another very sobering passage about swearing. Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 16. Notice what Jesus says. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it's nothing. Whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. You fools, you blind. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if you swear by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools, blind. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar, swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. So you can see the scribes and the Pharisees, they had picked up this terrible habit and they believed that swearing by the gold in the temple would be binding. But you could swear by the temple that that housed the gold and that was not binding. And so what does Jesus call them? You're fools. Are you blind? You can't see. Why? Because all swearing is by God, because he owns everything. In fact, if you look at 23.23, he begins to pronounce a series of woes on them for their hypocrisy. And he says, you know, outwardly, you guys appear so righteous. You think you're so righteous. But he says, inwardly, you're full of hypocrisy and deceit. Now, ladies, Jesus and James are not the only ones who condemn this practice of frivolous swearing. In fact, you know, that's the third commandment in Exodus. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why? For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
In fact, in contrast to the way the scribes and the Pharisees swore, James warns and Jesus warns, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Now, what does yes mean? It's not maybe, I'm sorry. In fact, it carries a very strong affirmation. Yes, even so, surely, truly, truth, yes. And no is not maybe either. Maybe that's what no means in your home, but... No means no, nothing, none, never. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Now, ladies, the way to avoid making rash vows is to be truthful, right? To the letter. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. We must have total honesty as Christian women. As women, you should say what you mean and mean what you say. I would encourage you not to make promises to the Lord and not to make promises to others that you don't plan to keep. In fact, it's written in Deuteronomy 23, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it will be sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which has gone from your lips you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. In fact, Ecclesiastes 5, don't turn there, is another good passage to read on this topic. Uh, it's also good advice when dealing with others. It says, do not be rash with your mouth. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. Why? God is in heaven and you are on earth. And Solomon says, therefore, let your words be few. In fact, remember when Peter denied the Lord? Remember how he denied him with an oath? He swore with an oath. I don't know the man. With curses and with oaths, he made a rash vow. Now, ladies, I was thinking about this, and I was telling, I don't know if it was Ruth or Marta yesterday. I met with both of them yesterday. I was like, they're the Bobsy twins, you know. But they're very different. I'm enjoying getting to knowing them. But... I was, we were talking about the lesson and we were talking about being a person of our word. And I said, you know, one thing I've noticed, and I'm not pointing them out, that generation is horrible with this. They'll say they're going to do something and they don't do it. And I'm not saying that our generation's any better, but the generation that is coming up, I see it in the business world. Um, I've seen it as I've tried to get my books published, and I've used two different publishers now, and they'll say, "In we'll be back with you in three months, and three months comes and goes, I haven't heard from them. Or they'll say, we'll call you tomorrow on this, and you don't hear. And I'm sure all of you could have that experience with you're trying to get something fixed, you know, an appliance at home, and, and somebody will say, yeah, we'll, we'll be there Friday at 11 o'clock, and Friday at 11 o'clock comes, and where are you? There's no integrity. People don't call. They say, I'm sorry, I can't come. You know, something came up and we'll reschedule. It's a disgrace to the name of Christ for those of us who are Christians and practice the art of swearing or not telling the truth. Ladies, people should trust what we say. And if we say we're going to do something, then we should do it. In fact, I want you to look to look at the mindset of what a believer should be. Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I like what Paul write, writes. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 17. Notice what Paul says. Therefore, 
When I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things that I plan, do I plan according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, I'm not fickle like other men. I don't vacillate in what I mean. My no doesn't mean yes, and my yes doesn't mean no. And then he gives a reason. Why? Because he says God's word is what? It can be trusted, right? It's yes, yes, no, no. And Paul's ministry is founded on the word of God. In fact, in another letter to the Romans, Paul says this, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying, he says. My conscience also bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. In fact, to the church at Ephesus, he says, therefore, we are to put away lying and let each one of us speak truth to our neighbors. Why? For we are members one of another. Ladies, that should be the mindset of all of us. In fact, I was reading these notes on the plane coming home and Debbie and I got a live example. I just, I was like, this is great. So I wrote it down. We were sitting there. And we sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there, and we weren't going anywhere. They told us we couldn't leave yet because the winds were bad in Dallas. And there were three soldiers on our plane. And they were all, one was behind, in front of us and two were behind. And so there were some empty seats on this flight going from um, Atlanta to Dallas. And so I was studying, and I don't know what Debbie was doing. But anyway, they asked that the three soldiers come up to first class because they had empty seats and they had, full-fledged meals you know you sit in first class you get to eat when you sit back there you get nothing but water and ice cubes so anyway two of the soldiers got up and went to first class and we're still sitting there on the plank there we hadn't gone anywhere and the stewardess came back to the man sitting in front of us he was right in front of Debbie and he said she said sir we have a place for you please come up to first class and we have a meal and he said no you don't understand he said I'm a four-star general And we are forbidden to do that because it looks bad to the taxpayers. And he said, I will not do that. And I was like, wow. So I was like, this is good. Well, we waited about, what, five minutes, and the pilot comes. I mean, the plane hasn't taken off yet. We're not on autopilot yet. We're still sitting there. And the pilot comes back, and he said, sir, he said, we want you to come to first class. We have a meal for you. And he said, you don't understand. I'm a four-star general. I cannot do that. Take care of my boys, but I will not do that. And the pilot still, didn't he? He said, I understand your rule, but we really want you to. And he said, no, I will not. And I thought, now there is a man of integrity. The total contrast of what we see in our world today and the thing that James is trying to condemn here. And this man, let his yes be yes and his no No, and I thought, yeah, there is some people out there with integrity. Well, ladies, there's a reason James gives us for why our yes should be yes and our no, no, and it's really sobering. So we move from the sin of making rash vows to the sentence or the judgment of making rash vows. And notice what he says, least you fall into judgment. Ladies, James is warning us about making empty oaths. And I wonder if this four-star general knew that. Least you fall into judgment. Failure to heed what he is saying here exposes us to the danger of judgment. You might say, well, why, Susan? Isn't this kind of like, you know, serious? It is. Think about it. 
Making empty vows, making frivolous vows, is in essence lying, isn't it? It's not telling the truth, and we're going to give an account for it. In fact, by now, we're almost done with James. Do you know he's given us several instances where we're going to give an account? Remember in James 2, we saw that we were going to be judged without mercy if we've shown no mercy. We also saw in chapter 3, verse 1, that teachers are going to be judged for the things that they teach. They're going to have a stricter judgment. We saw in chapter 5, verse 9, that we better not murmur against each other. Why? We're going to be judged. And now he says, watch your mouth. Watch your yes. Watch your no. Why? Because you're going to be judged. And ladies, you know four out of those warnings of being judged had to do with our mouth? I mean, three out of four had to do with our mouth? That's pretty scary, isn't it? And by the way, the word for judgment here in the Greek does not just mean punishment. In the Greek, the word means the sentence is pronounced. This sentence is a decision that has resulted from an investigation. In fact, the Greek translation literally reads like this, and it may sound a little funny to you, but this is the actual Greek translation. But you're the yes, yes, and the no, no, that not into hypocrisy under judgment you may fall. Now, I'm going to say something very serious, and you might think I'm crazy, but I'm not, and I'm going to prove my point. I interpret that what this is saying is, if it is your habit to not let your yeses be yeses and your noes to be noes, then you are on your way to hell because there are no hypocrites in heaven. And James is saying, if this is a practice of your life, not saying an occasional stumbling, a practice of your life, you're in trouble. Because making promises or oaths that you have no intention of fulfilling is another form of what? It's lying. It's lying. And my friend, if you are in the habit of lying, you are in serious danger. In fact, I want you to turn to Revelation 21 because I know you all are looking at me like I'm crazy. And I didn't say this. God said it. I'm not talking about an occasional stumbling. James says in many things we all stumble. If you are in the habit of lying, if you're in the habit of telling people, I will be there, I will do this, and you don't, James and Jesus both say, we're in, we're in serious trouble. Look at Revelation 21.8. 21.8. The fearful, the, it's talking about the last days, standing before God. He says in verse 7, He that overcometh will inherit all things. I will be as God, he will be my son. But the fearful unbelieving, abominable, murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters. I mean, that's horrible, isn't it? And notice the next. All liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Look at verse 27. Ladies, this is as clear as can be. And there shall in no way. Do you understand that? There shall in no way enter into heaven anything that defiles. Neither he that works an abomination or makes a lie, but those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. One more in case you haven't had enough conviction. Chapter 22, verse 15. Or let's go verse 14. Blessed are they that wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into that city. Talking about heaven. For outside are dogs. It's not talking about bow wow. It's talking about the Gentiles. Outside are dogs, sorcerers, fornicators, murderers, idolaters, horrible things. And then notice, whoever loves 
and makes a lie. Ladies, lying is serious. Swearing, making oaths that you have no intention of keeping is serious. Making vows or swearing by something that you think is not God's, you know, I swear by my beard, I swear by my, you know, bed at home or, you know, promise, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye and not fulfilling what you're saying is very, very serious. So how are you in the area of being a woman of your word? When you tell someone that you will pray for them, do you? When you sign up for a job or a ministry here at church, are you faithful to it? When you say you'll be there at 9 o'clock, are you there at 9 o'clock? When you say you you will pay a bill by the 15th of the month, do you? When you tell your kids you'll take them out for ice cream after school, do you? If you have ever taken an oath in court, have you told the truth? Are you keeping your marriage vows in sickness and in health, being faithful to you and you alone and all the other vows that you made on your wedding day? I know they don't do that anymore. I go to some weddings now. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? But I took those vows that were serious. But are you being faithful to them? If you claim to be a Christian, which which by the way is a vow, you know when you came to Christ you made a vow, does your life show it? Are you being loyal to the vow you made to God, to his lordship? Can your word be trusted? When you say yes, do others know they can count on you? When you say no, do your children know that you mean it? Or does no in your home mean keep pestering me and I'll let you have your way? I'm sure many of us can identify with the following quote by George MacDonald. I know the first time I read it, I, I did and I quit doing this because I thought that is a way that I was lying. He said this, I always think I, I try to be truthful, but at the same time I tell a great many petty lies, things that mean one thing to myself, though another to someone else, but I don't think lightly of it. Where I am more often wrong is pretending I hear things which I do not, especially jokes and good stories, the point I always miss, and then I see everyone laughing, so I laugh too for the sake of not looking like a fool. And I was doing that because I don't get jokes. And so I would laugh along, and I thought, you know, right? He's right. That's a form of lying. He goes on to say, my respect for the world's opinion is my greatest stumbling block, I fear. Ladies, these are all forms of lying. And we can't shrug our shoulders and say, oh, to lie is human. It's not human. It's a sin. And when you lie to men, you're lying to the Holy Spirit, as Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira right before they were struck dead. Now, ladies, if you're like me, I know people whose word is a joke. They are undependable. Everything they say goes in this ear, and it comes right out this ear. I don't believe them. They're like, remember the boy, the story you read your kids that cried wolf and nobody believed him, even when the time it was really serious? Now, I know there are times that circumstances are unavoidable and you can't keep your word. That's why I believe it's important, as James already taught us to say, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, we will do this and we will do that. In fact, when our kids were growing up, we made lots of promises to them. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to go on this vacation. We're going to do this. But we always communicated this to them, if the Lord wills. And most of the time, the Lord didn't will, so we never got to do anything. But as preachers' kids, they were aware of that. But I'm afraid with some of us, it's not the case. And it boils down to a lack of being faithful, a lack of integrity, and a lack of being a woman of your word. 
When you do fail in this area, do you seek forgiveness or do you rationalize it? The world is looking for honesty, and I'm afraid they're seeing very little of it represented in us as Christians. So I want to leave you with six ways to ensure that your yes is a yes and that your no is a no. So as we close tonight, and they all begin with the word be, B-E. Number one is this. Be sensitive to the deception that lying is sin. Be sensitive, oh, be sensitive to the deception that lying is not sin, especially little white lies. Somebody will say, oh, it's just a white lie. Don't worry about that. Ladies, not only is it a sin, but it's a heinous sin. Don't desensitize yourself to the truth. I know people whose habit is lying to the point they don't even recognize they lie at any, that they lie anymore. Number two, be reminded of Matthew 12, 36 and 37, which says this, I say to you, every idle word that men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment, for by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. That's a scary verse, Matthew 12, 36, 37. Number three, be filled with God's spirit and sensitive to his leading in your life in this area. You know, if you... You're talking to someone and you know that something, you know, in fact, something happened today and I retracted. I said, no, that's not what I meant or how it happened because I was very aware of this lesson. And I also know that teachers receive a stricter judgment. So I'm really trying to watch what I say. But if God, the Holy Spirit is saying, Susan, that's not true what you just said. You know, that's not how it went. Then be sensitive to that and do it, make it right. Don't grieve the spirit. Number four, be asking God to make you aware of the way you deceive others and yourself. Be asking God, God, how do I deceive myself? How do I deceive others? In fact, you might be surprised how deception plays out in your life. I remember one year, Doug and I held each other accountable for exaggerations. About three or four years ago, I said, you know, Doug, I said, we both exaggerate. And um, you know how you'll kind of coat a story a little bit to make it look really good or make somebody else look good. And so one year, for one year, we held each other accountable for all the exaggerations that came out of our mouth. And we don't do it anymore. And that's, that's a good exercise. That's a form of lying, you know, exaggerating. Number five, be feeding on the word of God. Be feeding on the word of God. When you feed your mind on the truth and obey it, it will produce what God desires, which is truth, ladies, in your inner woman. A truthful inward spirit is bound to produce truthful outward speech. And then the last B, be careful what you say. Remember that song you used to sing? Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Think before you speak. If you've said something to someone that's not true, go back to the person and correct it. And believe me, after you do that time and time and time again, you will be humbled enough to guard your words the next time. I've had to do that many times. Be careful what you say. There's only one person that I know in the whole world that's kept every promise he's ever made, and that is our wonderful, wonderful Savior. And one of the promises that he's made to you and me is that he will return. And I believe it soon. He will keep his word. And so must we women, or we will fall into judgment. Let's pray. 
Lord, I do ask that you would forgive us and cleanse us for our deception. Lord, I know that even this week as I have observed in my life and how it's so easy, it just falls from our mouth and we have words spilled to the ground that have no meaning or that color a story or just don't say exactly the truth and what has happened and what's on our heart. Um, we f- we flatter people. We We do things that I know that are displeasing to you. Lord, I pray that we would be very careful about this. I pray that we would watch the things that we say, that we would not make promises to others that we have no intention of keeping. Lord, that we would certainly not marry that with making vows and swearing by this or that and trying to convince people that we're telling the truth when we're not. Lord, I pray for us as Christians because, Lord, there are so many believers in the Christian world and Christian work and Christian business that are not people of their word, and they certainly have disgraced the name of Christ. I pray that we would determine not to be like that, to be women of integrity, women that can be counted on, women of our word. And so, Lord, help us with this, and I just pray that you'll give us the grace to... uh, conform to what we know is pleasing to you. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.